On Blast. This is the On Blast podcast, something that we're still calling. I'll name this football pod later. It's week three, so I guess they're still later. <laughs> but we are back to talk about the NFL from a gambling perspective. And I'm joined by my dude, Mr. Matt Russell, sports betting professional and the host of the Windows Sports Betting Podcast. Mr. Russell, how are you doing entering week three of the NFL season, my dude? I'm good, man. You know, just keep on trucking, right? Everybody was a winner last week. It was just money is just being handed out from the sports books. Everybody's just buying stuff. The economy, we are back. We are rolling entirely because of week two and the sports book. Just giving it back. And what could possibly go wrong from here, right? Hey, this is what I want to say all, all the time. I'll tell people, I'll, I'll put out a notice to everybody, okay? I think everybody had a good week in week two. Like, I'm going to say I was 11, I was 11 and five against the spread and our crew won a pools ticket which wasn't for that much because everybody won pools. So <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Take the early wins. If you, if you pay attention to these things every NFL season, you'll know that early on you take the wins as they come, but just know as a warning, Vegas is coming. And as you look at the week three lines, there's so many crazy, crazy games. Just, you know, as you talk about all the time, teams that, you want to bet for or bet against or whatever, just teams that you feel you got a good read on, but then they end up playing each other and or vice versa. Week three is going to be interesting. Week three yeah. is going to be very interesting. Absolutely, right? We call them the bet-on teams versus the bet-off teams, right? And two, two bet-on like teams play each other, that's no good. And when two bet-off teams uh, play each other, that's no good either. So this week is, I mean, week three is my favorite week every year. And listen, that could come back to haunt me. But listen, everything I do could come back to haunt me. So I might <laughs> as well just say it as it is, right? And so week three is my favorite because we get two weeks of that built up overreaction stuff, right? And we get to see the difference between panic and focus. And fans panic, betters panic. Teams on the field, they focus after having mm. two bad weeks, right? I like and that. that's what I think we're going to see week three. We do every single time. And I was going to come on here and I was going to set up outside and I was going to set up with a, you know, like back in the day where you, you know, parents or grandparents would dry their clothes outside. You get the okay. old clothespin going. Yeah. This week is grab a clothespin, put it on your nose because <laughs> we are betting on some stinkers this week. It oh. is going to be a horror show. Like it's probably best if you place your bets and then you get induced into some sort of coma on Sunday because you're not going to want to watch what we're going to do this week. It's going to be gross, but you know what? statistically it's profitable so you're just going to have to hold your nose artificially or otherwise okay and just kind of roll with it this week i like it i like it and as always we like to start the pod with what we learned from week prior so what did we what did i learn from week two mr russell because for people who might be new to the pod what we try to do on this i'm coming from you know your Joe public gambler, you know, the random guy here, maybe making a couple bets here and there, maybe the dude going out to play his pro line ticket. And we developed this podcast off of conversations that we used to have all the time when we worked together, where I would come in on the Monday and be like, Oh man, I lost on this play or I lost on that play. And you would be like, dude, how did you not take the extra half point? 
And so when we start here and say, what did I learn from week two? Another very important lesson. Obviously, when you're gambling, points matter. But half points, <laughs> okay? Every single one, man. Matter so much. And I could have imagined our conversation on the Monday being, hey, man, so I had the Pats at plus three and a half. <laughs> so that game literally came down to Cam Newton on the one for the game. And as we look at week two, in terms from the Patriots standpoint, you got a Raiders team that looked pretty good on Monday night, but it's Raiders plus six in New England. And, you know, I feel like the Pats are good. I feel like if it's under a touchdown, Raiders on a short week, as long as it's, again, remains under a touchdown, I'm okay with still riding with the Patriots from what I've seen. Like Cam looks legit, legit, legit. But I'm going to ask you, is that, am I wrong there? Or is that too many points at six? No, you're fine. I think this is a prime spot. And listen, over the years, this, the Patriots have been my trouble spot, right? Because mm-hmm. every week they're overvalued based on the numbers. But again, we, yeah. talk, we talked about this before the season started and basically every week, maybe till the end of time, right? They just do everything correctly outside of the framework of a box score, right? And yeah. so it's never a bad thing to go with the Patriots, but when you can get some decent value after a team has this primetime win, right? We always talk about primetime games and how that affects the perception going forward. In this case, it's perfectly set up for a Patriots bet, right? You've got Western team having to travel short week, big win, John, you know, John Gruden running across the field, mask <laughs> akimbo, just like looking for people to hug. And it's like, yep. now you're going to go to the Patriots and like Belichick, he's disheveled. He looks like a hobo more than he's ever looked at like a hobo before. And you know, when Bill <laughs> Belichick is in hobo mode, the he's other ready. team is in big big trouble and so it's a unique offense that the Raiders aren't going to have enough time to prepare for which by the way like you say they look good and yet you're not wrong necessarily but again when I go into the box score I want to look the first thing I look at is yards per play right how did the yards per play break down and the Saints were much better from a yards per play standpoint they were borderline actually Cleveland Cincinnati ratios right? Where Cleveland had, was like two and a half to three point, I think she might even mean three and a half, three and a half more yards per play than Cincinnati was on that Thursday night game. And we all saw what yeah. that should have been from a blowout standpoint. The Saints were that much better than the Raiders from a yards per play standpoint. And for some reason, they just were able to sort of dink and dunk their way down the field like the Bengals were, in this case, all the way to a victory, for the Raiders. And so yeah. that was as fraudulent of a victory, I think, as we've seen all season. And when you're talking about going across country to deal with a Patriots offense, that is a tough thing to prepare for. And now we're seeing that Cam can throw it a little bit here or a lot a bit, right? Yeah. And this Raiders defense is not good. And so, yeah, uh, this, is, this is one that we can be pretty comfortable with. And I can pretty much assure you that the Patriots are going to be on all my contest plays this week. Yeah, I love the Patriots there, minus six for sure. Um, We look at, we mentioned the Raiders on Monday night against the Saints, and the Saints, Drew Brees, I mean, I hate talking about legends and saying are they washed, but Drew Brees did not look good. And when you're doing the dink and dunk stuff and you don't have Michael Thomas to dink and dunk to, that's kind of the Saints offense that you get. They did not look good. And as we look into week two, They're at home to the Packers. 
I like the Packers at plus three because I'm just looking at it saying, give me all the points. Even if I think the Packers are overrated, even if I think, you know, they, they've looked, the offense and Aaron Rodgers has looked pretty good against some not so good teams so far. But I'm still in a position where you're telling me I'm going to take the points. I'm going to give me the points with Aaron Rodgers in this situation as I just watched Drew Brees. I'm okay with taking the Packers here. So it's funny because I feel like you just made the case mm-hmm. in a lot of ways for why you should be taking the Saints. Oh, okay. You, right? Like okay, you just did okay. everything and then you just sort of did, but like I went the points and da 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 da. So a couple of things here, right? So yeah. as much as we, you know, saw the, you know, it's the same thing that applies to the Raiders in reverse, right? Like if the Raiders gave up and I've got it right here, 7.4 yards per play to the Saints, yeah. which by the way, like five is kind of your sort of average, right? Like low fives to just sort of give people framework. So if you're in the fours, that's not good. And that's what the Raiders were this past week. And if you're up in the sevens, like that's about as high as you can do. So you're right. Drew Brees' arm is mega washed. But you know what? That was the case last season. This isn't new. This didn't happen this summer. That was the case Very last true. season. And you're right about the Michael Thomas thing when you don't have that connection level where you can get those first downs and whatnot. But again, they were still 7.4 yards per play. So it's yeah. not like the offense is broken in any way. No, For me, the big takeaway from that game was how bad the defense was in that they just weren't, they didn't clue in that the Raiders were just going to dink and dunk them down the field, right? And that's what allowed the Raiders to win the game with a sub five yards per play. And it's like, why wasn't the defensive line able to get to Derek Carr? Like the Raiders were without their right tackle, I believe it was. And then Richie Incognito, their guard, left the game in the middle of the game as well. And so that should have been like Cameron Jordan and those guys just eating. And for some reason, it wasn't. And so... Going into this game, this is a classic buy low, sell high. And we're going to be all over these all throughout this week where you've got a game, a team that was, the line was minus four going into Monday night. And I grabbed Green Bay plus four because I had a feeling we weren't going to love everything that we saw from the Saints this past Monday. And sure enough, it opens two and a half and it immediately shoots to three. So people Ah. who are on top of this stuff on Tuesday morning, and this lasted like five minutes We're just throwing money at the two and a half because they know that the Saints aren't nearly as bad as it looked on Monday night and that the Packers, and you're right, man, the Vikings and the Lions and a banged up Lions team and a Vikings team in the first game. And listen, we're going to get into the Vikings a little bit later. My general opinion of the Vikings right now is that they're trash. They are not good. They are a stinky stinky football team that's so if i'm going to apply that logic i I have to realize though that they still had seven yards per play against the packers so yeah that into the packers where now all of a sudden we're looking at a team that's going to have this they have this road game now against one of the better teams like it is such a step up in weight class for the packers or at least it should be and it's just a spot where you know we talk about the sort of the underdogs, the public dogs, right? And at 71%, I think, is what the betting tickets are right now. Excuse me, 75% is the betting tickets right now on the Packers, right? And I just mentioned, like, the money has moved it from two and a half to three, like, right off the bat. And so 
be very careful in how much you like the Packers. For me, I'm going to okay. come back on the Saints in this one at, uh, at minus three and create myself sort of a little tiny middle of minus like three it. plus four in that game. I like it. It's, and again, it's one of these things where I look at the number and it's like, I like the, like I'm picking every game. So I'm going to take the Packers if force fed just because I, I like having the points as a general whatever. And I don't mind having the points with Aaron Rodgers, but everything you just said, it's totally true, right? Like the, the Packers, how impressed should we be by what they did against those two crap teams so far? So it, it's going to be super interesting to see. And Hey, anytime we're going to sit and watch Drew Brees against Aaron Rodgers, who's complaining about that, right? Uh, no, exactly. It's going to be great. Uh, I bypassed something, though, involving the Patriots, and I feel like we need to update the score here, the scorecard overall. Sure. As Tom Brady won week two to tie the yep. score, one and one. With yeah, Bill the power Belichick. rankings. The power, power rankings, rankings. yes, yes, yeah. yes. Tom is, um, is power ranked one, and Bill is power ranked two. Right. Uh, going into week two, though, in terms of Mr. Tom Brady and Tampa Bay. Right. Bucks minus six in Denver. And I don't have much on this other than really, I think you got to see what the Bucks offense can do last week. Like obviously Brady and Mike Evans look to be uh, more on the same page in week two. I'm not falling for the Leonard Fournette uh, stat line, even though I do have him on my fantasy bench, but I'm not falling for that just because (laughs) He busted out one big run late in the game to really inflate his production. But overall, right. as, as I said earlier with the Patriots, at six points against, uh, what's my guy's name, Driscoll? And yeah, Jeff Driscoll. Absolutely. And I'm not mad at Jeff Driscoll at all. He was, like, serviceable. He was kind of frisky when he came in that game. But okay. at six points, I'm okay with the Bucs. Uh, I, I, I'm just going to say it. I couldn't disagree with you more. I hey, love the Broncos. That's the beauty game. of this pod. Hey, that's, this is why <laughs> this we're here. This listen, is why we're you know, here. You know, you, you've picked the games that we've talked about up to this point, right? And it's like, oh, he's on the Patriots minus the thing. And he's on the Saints mm-hmm. minus the thing. And you're like, I want points. And I'm like, listen, I am the card-carrying <laughs> member, like vice pre- president of the give me the points yeah. team, right? Or yep. the organization of give me those points. Dot com. I don't know if that's a website. I don't know who runs it. Stay away I'm, from it. I'm going to make that on a t-shirt. I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Give me dosepoints.com. Um, listen, this Tampa thing is, is it's fraudulent right now, man. It okay. is mega okay. fraudulent right now. And we saw it against, listen, we saw it against the Saints where it's like they could barely move the ball, right? 4.1 yards per play. 4.1. Not great, right? Yeah. And so... Then we go and we see the Raiders easily moving the ball, at least from a sort of short, you know, range type of a thing, right? They're at least yeah. able to score points. And then you've got Tampa going against Carolina. And we talked about it last week. Like if this, if there was ever an opportunity for the Saints or Saints, for the Bucks to flat out blow out a team, it has to be this week against a Carolina defense that is atrocious. And so and what happened? Really like, yeah, they covered, but it took your boy, Leonard Fournette, like cracking one of those, like, hey, he probably should have just, you know, gone down to end the game type of mm-hmm. deals, but he just kept running. And even then, right, Carolina almost backdoored it with a late touchdown to get within that seven without and McCaffrey I steered, 
Yeah, and then with all without all without McCaffrey, and that's you know that's a home game, and so now we go onto the road, right, to Denver, and a lot of this is just sort of value based, right? If Drew Locke was the quarterback, what would this number be? Like, wouldn't this be pretty close to that Tennessee Denver game from Monday night, where mm. Tennessee is minus three, right? Like, is there really all that much of a difference between Tennessee and Tampa Bay, with all things kind of being considered? Yeah. I don't think Jeff Driscoll is worse than Drew Locke. I actually think he's kind of a little bit better at this stage in their career, right? Drew Locke, a first round pick, but like still very young, still very immature from sort of a quarterback development standpoint. And Jeff Driscoll, the sneaky thing about him, he can run a little bit. And I love my sort of, you know, running dual threat type quarterbacks when it comes to extending drives. And I think this game is going to be a really low scoring game. So maybe look at the under here, but I love getting plus six on this because I think this number should be three. And I think Denver's got a legitimate chance of winning the game. And I was impressed with what I saw from Driscoll, both last season with the Lions, because they lost every game, but they were in them. And it's only when he got hurt and David Blau, David Blau, that name again, that name again is David Blau. Mm-hmm. When he came in, that's when things really hit the fan, right? And so Driscoll's yeah. sort of an underrated guy here who is a high recruit uh, to you know Florida Gators, like that kind of thing. And so he's got talent. He can run with the ball a little bit. And he did well against a Pittsburgh Steelers defense that should have been out for blood, right? Down big. You knew they were going to throw. The Steelers should have been in an attack mode. And he did pretty well with two touchdowns. And they were very close to winning that game. And it kind of fell a little bit under the radar. But I love Mm -hmm. plus six with Denver. So this is a beauty of this pod, right? Because, again, I'm going to throw out what I'm thinking. I then you know, from this conversation, from, you know, whatever injuries happen later on, let's say Friday afternoon or Saturday, I post, I end up posting my final picks, right? On the same on blast page, you'll be able to get my final picks. So I come here with, Hey, this is what I'm thinking, blah, blah, blah. And then you mention things and it forces me to take a step back and reassess my thought process to a lot of different, as we say, narratives and i feel like what happens a lot is we take the easy way and i'm talking from the joe public side so i'm speaking about myself i'm not putting anyone else down but myself here but listen in the joe public side 85 percent ticket mm-hmm. split for, so when you're talking joe public it's the highest split of the weekend 85 percent are on denver or excuse me are on tampa bay and on so tampa like bay. you're you're right so, on it man but this is what i'm saying right it's because well We're still on the hype of the Tom Brady, Tampa Bay stuff, and you're going against the backup QB. And so that's going to be worth just extra points right there, just on Vegas being like, ha, 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 ha. And that's where the tricks come in. So (laughs) I came into this whole thing, starting the whole pod being like, Vegas is going to get you. And now, you know, my awareness is up now. I'm looking at it being like, ah, okay, I'm falling into the trap already seeing okay it's bucks by six but as you said should it really be that many points because they didn't blow out the panthers like i watched a lot of that panthers game and i i knew they were gonna cover it was a tough cover but you add in no mccaffrey you add in the fact that again that four net touchdown he didn't get touched so i'm not buying into their running game as being you know hey they got four net he's a beast that's not it after scoring early, they didn't really look that good for the rest of the game. So, hey, I like that. This is why we had the conversations. And it's very easy to talk me into taking points. 
Yeah, and that's say the that. thing. And, you're, <laughs> right. and I was going to ask, I was like, raise your hand if you watched any of that game, because I think that game fell a ton under the radar, because mm-hmm. it was, what, a 21 nothing game early on, right? Yes. And 5.9 to 6.0 in yards per play. So mm-hmm. that is in no way a two-touchdown type of a box score, right? No, and like you sure. said, and like I said before, they sh- you know, if he just runs and goes down and they just kneel the rest of the game out, Carolina covers that game. Or on the flip side, if Carolina scores late, they cover that game. So we're grabbing a ton of value on a sort of looking at the score, seeing that Tampa, oh, Tampa, they're back. Like they won by two touchdowns. Yeah. And it's like, give me that. Give me those six all day long. And you know what? If you're betting it, wait. Wait until literally 12.55 on Sunday because we're trying to get the best price available, right? And with 85% of the tickets coming in on Tampa Bay, like this could get to six and a half. This could get to the extremely key number of seven. And when it does, that's when we're really going to love it. But as far as a contest play, I'm going to be playing at a plus six as well because I just, I think they can win this game outright. I like it. I like it. I like it. Something I didn't really like last week was that Cowboys game was super ugly. And I know the spread was floating around from like Cowboys minus seven or minus four, pardon me. And they didn't cover, but (laughs) it was still one of the craziest comebacks ever. And despite not covering and the Cowboys continue to just be maybe a, a great example of another narrative, right? Gambling, always involves betting on coaches and Mike McCarthy clearly is out here doing too much, right? There were fake punts all over the place. There's all these things going on. Like he, it's like in his interview with Jerry Jones, he said, Hey, I'm going to, you know, we're going to use analytics. We're going to go for it on fourth down. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. As you mentioned last week, the anti Jason Garrett, right? And my guy is doing too much. But anyways, as we come into week three, Seahawks minus four and a half against the Cowboys and your MVP rust bed is looking good. And this could be the same thing where we're talking about narratives coming in and overreacting to the two weeks that we've seen so far. I like the Seahawks just because what's not to like from what I've seen from the Seahawks so far. And the flip side of that is Dallas. I don't think they're that bad. I still don't think they're that bad. I just think McCarthy's doing too much, but I still like the four and a half points with the Seahawks. Yeah, it's funny, right? Like, you watch that first game, right? The Sunday night game against the Rams. And you're seeing him and he doesn't seem, he's not, he's not doing too much. He's doing nothing. And he's just sort of standing there and it doesn't help that the mask is on, right? Because you can't even see if he's saying anything to anybody. And we're so used to Jason Garrett just clapping away, like even though he's not really doing anything. And so he, you know, Mike McCarthy. Do you think someone told him about he's aware of the Jason Garrett clapper narrative? Uh, potentially, I I mean, honestly, I think he does. Well, he, I think he reads the clippings, whether it's that or, you know, or, or people saying like, are you doing anything on the sideline? (laughs) Because Kellen Moore is the offensive coordinator who calls the plays there. Right. And McCarthy is a guy who, you know, would butt heads with Aaron Rodgers about Mm -hmm. offense and calling plays and stuff. And so he probably because Jerry told him to is sort of not allowed to call the plays. And so what's left for McCarthy other than to get into his bag of alleged analytics tricks and to do a bunch of stuff. And that reared its head against the Rams where he went for it on that fourth and two or three, instead of kicking the field goal, right. To tie the game. And so when you're looking at him and you're going like, I'm always scared of these, these coaches who come in, 
and they've done certain things one way, they've gotten fired. And then over the time that they've been off, now all of a sudden they're analytics geniuses because Mm -hmm. these guys, because as you say, doing too much, they can get into the book and start reading it wrong. Right. And it's not the right analytical play to go for it every single time, probably more often than most coaches think. But when you're sort of getting a little too spicy here with your going for it, then you can sort of blame that on analytics. And then the analytics crowds over here going like, no, nah, man, we didn't tell you that was the right move. Like that wasn't yeah, in our like book. Some right? of the, the fake punts they tried to pull out last. It's just like, what are you doing? Right. Like that being it, it said, didn't make sense. Yeah, that being said, like, I think the, I, I don't really understand the, okay, let me change it. I understand the love for Seattle. You just mm-hmm. talked about it, right? My MVP bet, shout out Russell Wilson, is now the favorite after yes. two weeks. Hey, you were talking about it from the beginning. Yeah, exactly. It's my favorite bet. I was like, I know it's not exactly the spiciest thing at eight to one, but like, it's already down to three to one. And so I'm loving that. So I get why people want to bet the Seahawks. Okay. Both these defenses are trash. In, in Dallas's <laughs> case, it's because, again, we talked about how you and I might start for Detroit last week. Yeah. Like, if we're out street-free agent styles, as I think we still are, sitting here on a, cup, on a stool and a couch, mm-hmm. we might get in for Dallas this week because they okay. obviously their linebacking core is shredded, and now their DBs are shredded. And we saw that when it came to the Falcons, right? And, like, Seattle is going to take just as much of advantage of that as the Falcons did. But on the flip side, we know Dallas can put up points. And so I just, the number is super high from a total standpoint. I still don't understand how it stays under. I mean, may obviously, you know, if there's field goals instead of touchdowns, but there's going to be yards galore. And this is very similar to the Dallas Atlanta game, which by the way, and I need, you know, need to mention it was, it was even crazier as you even kind of made it, out to be because like it opened seven six and a half and then just slowly and then on sunday mega crashed all the way down to dallas minus three because yeah. in part dallas's o-line was banged up which of course is another issue altogether and so you've got a team in dallas that's just banged up on both sides so from that standpoint i get why seattle is at five right now it just seems okay. like a lot of points for what is going to be kind of a track meet and like that atlanta dallas game if we're doing a track meet like that means there's a wider variance of what could possibly happen from a final score standpoint. And I'm kind of ready for anything. It's not like a like, big time, like I'm not dying to bet against Russell Wilson, but like, I think you have to take the points here. If you know, you're doing what you're doing and just going like, I have to make a play on every game for the purposes yeah, of just kind yeah. of tracking it. That's exactly what I was just about to say. Just in the sense, I'm noticing a theme here and it makes a lot of sense in theory, just in terms of week three craziness there's going to be points galore. We don't really know what's going on. We know that injuries, which we'll get to in a bit, continue to play a factor. There's just so much going on. And if you can grab the points in the Vegas zone, why <laughs> right. not? Right? So it's, yeah. it's, again, we've done how many picks so far where I've already come in being like, okay, this is what I'm thinking. But okay, as we talk this out a little bit, as we talk it through, and this is why we're here. I don't like the – and for people who – I'm tiptoeing with how I say this. (laughs) So I'm saying this off the front end for people who are looking for, or want the, the picks pod where it's just like, all right, here's this game. I'm going to take this because, and I throw out some stat that I read on Twitter and blah, 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 and move on. I'm not doing that. (laughs) Right. I have no interest in that. (laughs) No, but do you know what I'm saying? Like, I I don't really have an interest in that. Like, and, and, and I'm saying in terms of, because that's literally everywhere. I like saying, this is what I'm thinking. Let's talk this out a little bit. And maybe we come to a different end point. 
maybe we don't. But that's what I'm here for. I'm, I'm always going to be about the conversation and adding context to what I'm thinking. And so far, I don't know how many picks we've gone through, but at least on three of them, I feel like I've been like, oh, okay, yes. And, and that's what I'm here for. The more you know. Yeah, we're just trying to, we're, honestly, sports betting. When we're actually talking about sports betting, not making predictions, right? And, and yeah, people yeah, sometimes yeah. don't understand the difference between exactly. making predictions, making picks, and sports betting. And so, like, yeah, you're making picks on your thing, and, and you, you need to win to get that notch in the column. But for yeah. me, I need to win money, right? Like, that's what I do. And so, what's, the putting our, what's putting us in the best possible position to win money on a consistent basis over the long term? And that's mm-hmm. giving us more, more outs, right? Like it's, again, it comes back to sort of a poker term, right? How Mm -hmm. many outs do we have here? And to me, if we've got four, we've got five and we can, you know, if Dallas wins by 10, would you be like stunned? I wouldn't, but I wouldn't be stunned if Seattle wins by 10 either, but I'd be kind of stunned if either team won by more than that. You know what I mean? Because like the other team is going to put the offensive pedal to the metal and aren't going to be stopped in a significant way that this game is a blowout, right? This is not going to be a 35 to 10 game one way or another. And I just rather, again, more chairs available to me for when the music stops at zero, zero, zero on the clock. No, I totally got you, man. I, and I, I like, you know, as we go along and people get more familiar with what we're doing, they'll fully understand kind of the two sides where we're coming at and what we're trying to do. But, you know, hey, make it It's fix, an uphill battle. But- it's an, uphill, it's an uphill, battle. uphill battle, but hey, you know, uphill battle speaking of, you know, the Falcons, we kind of touched on them a little bit here and I don't yeah. really got much here. Cause I don't like the Falcons are just a, a joke to me. Like I don't have much on the Falcons other than like, I feel bad for Falcons fans. Like if right. you live and die by the Falcons each and every week, like that's your squad, you ride for them. I feel bad for you. Like, that's painful, painful, painful. And when you think of it, that's not even as close to the worst <laughs> Falcons loss you <laughs> suffered as a fan, right? Yeah, of course not. So, no. <laughs> like, it's pretty bad. To, right? It's pretty bad. Horrible. Yeah, it's pretty bad. But I'm guessing so. they're working on recovering onside kicks this week, going over the rule book <laughs> yeah. for sure with their special teams. But this week, they're favored at home by three points against the Bears. The Bears are a team who I don't really know how they're 2-0, and but they are. And sure. this is a thing, again, where I feel like the public might be thinking, and I'm saying this not knowing, so you're going to sure. correct me here if I'm wrong, but I feel like the public might be like, oh, Bears are 2-0. and We've seen the Falcons just screw things up, take the points. I'm actually the other way where I, don't th- I think the Falcons, they put up points. And I don't know if the Bears can put up points at the same clip as the Falcons. So I'm okay with taking the Falcons at three. So let's put that into sort of a numerical term then. So if you had to guess, if you were, again, not knowing, like you said, and let's play yeah. a fun game, I'll put you on the spot. Um, <laughs> what do you think the, the bet ticket breakdown is, right? Like we've talked about like how the biggest one was 85% with Tampa. And, you know, by and large, it's a point spread. So it should be closer yeah, yeah. to 50-50 sort of on a whatever basis. So where do you think that this breaks down as I- far as the ticket spread? I would say that it's close to 50-50, but I would still say it's probably like 60-40 people taking the points in the Bears. 72% for Atlanta. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So people know the Bears suck? Like, is that a... Uh, well, that's the thing, right? It's, it's this wild battle of narratives, right? And I think okay. you're supposed to 
take the Falcons because, okay. and I sort of have, you know, we, I don't know that we've even touched on one specifically. I guess we did with the Denver game, but week three is all about betting on the O and two teams, right? And yes. that's the panic versus focus, right? Your fans like are panicked because you're O and two and the team is focused because we're like, we cannot go down O and three. And we might not be good enough to avoid going down O three, Right. And that's fine. But like, we're going to give 110%, so to speak, on this <laughs> yeah. game. And so you're supposed to bet the Falcons here as the 0-2 team against the 2-0 team. You're even supposed to bet the Falcons because they're the favorite as the 0-2 team. Right. Like it's sort yeah. of counterintuitive. Right. But if the market makes the better team and they're going to be the quote unquote more desperate team, then yeah, you're supposed to bet the Falcons. But then as you mentioned, your boy Quinn, right? Like, is, do you think there's a curling rink in Atlanta? Because if there's one curling rink in Atlanta, he needs to take <laughs> the entire squad there and explain to them how spin works on the ground. Because what? my squad was baffled by the physics <laughs> of a ball spinning like it was on that onside kick. So I don't think there's a curling rink, so they might be screwed if this happens again. I don't think you're wrong, and I sort of side with the Falcons on this. But again, by the way, Dan Quinn, his against-the-spread record as a favorite is atrocious. It's atrocious. As an underdog, not bad, right? Like, they covered last week. It was the world's most embarrassing cover, like, last (laughs) week. But they still covered as underdog. They covered. They covered, yeah. Yeah, like, and yes, okay, offensively, they went up against a Dallas D that isn't all that great. They went up against a Seattle D that wasn't all that great. And they got a ton of yards in both cases. So, you know, they're going to do okay against the Bears. And the Bears defense is pretty good. Again, tough to kind of tell so far. But really, to me, it comes down, how bad is the Falcons defense? Like, can Mitch Trubisky do work? Right. And if it's the Mitch Trubisky doing work against the Detroit defense in that second half from week one, where they were so banged up that it was like, yeah, they're so banged up. They're so bad right now that even Trubisky can get it done. Is that the Falcons defense that we're working with? In which case I'd love to grab three, three and a half points points right now. It was at four earlier in the week. So there's been enough bears money to move it backwards, which again, Mm -hmm. relative to the fact that they're 28% on the ticket count would indicate that the quote unquote sharp side is the bears. So the trends trends say it's, that's what's funny about the trends say to take the Falcons, right. With the whole two and O thing, the sort of Dan Quinn is atrocious as an underdog thing leans bears. The market is telling you to kind of take the bears here. It's just very sort of a confusing game that, I'm surprised as well that that 72% of people are taking the Falcons after last week. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. Uh, that's very interesting. People love offense. People love offense. True. And it's kind of doesn't true. matter. And they still cash people tickets. Like, they cash me a ticket. So yeah. I'm, not, I'm not hating them all that much. Right? No, so, I hear you. That's an interesting one that I will definitely be paying attention to. And again, with all these picks that I'm saying right now on the pod, make sure that you actually go to the On Blast page to get the actual full picks that will be posted. That will be my picks. And of course, follow Mr. Russell as on Twitter as he's handing you, he's handing out goodies all the time. <laughs> so, our little corner of the internet. Hashtag our little corner of the internet. Stay tuned to that for sure. But sticking with the theme of things that I learned from last week, Patrick Mahomes is actually worth half a billy. I know that sounds crazy. And when he signed the contract, 
you're thinking, wow, I can't believe con- sports contracts have gotten to that much money. Like, that's kind of insane. But then I sat down and watched the game against the Chargers. And I remembered one of the things that, you know, one of the biggest things that you talked about last week. You mentioned uh, you were bang on about the Browns, but you were also bang on about this game in terms of uh, the Chiefs and Chargers in the sense that the, the Chiefs, we sniffed out that nine points being way too many points just because the Chargers played the Chiefs well last season, but also that pass rush. If there's ever a, t- a thing that slows the Chiefs offense, it's a pass rush. And what do the Chargers have? A pass rush. <laughs> so it, it was very interesting to see. And I will say, I gl- after listening to you, I gladly grabbed the nine points but also right. got to just relax and enjoy Mahomes doing his thing and watching him come back and win. And I want to ask you this. Did you get back on the other side in terms of some in-game betting, which is something I know you like to do? True. Uh, I didn't. And so, okay. um, yes. Yeah. So as far as that handicap is concerned, right, you're, you're 100% right about the pass rush thing. Like that, that slows down every quarterback in the history of time, right? And you have the guys who can rush it the way the Chargers do. It means one th- well, two things, right? One, it means you're in Patrick Mahomes' face. He's good enough, and you saw him scramble. And, man, he's getting better and better at scrambling now, right? Like, how kind of depressing is that? Like, he had some nice runs, obviously, that touchdown run in the playoffs last year. But it's like he now knows – like this is a thing that I can do and why I can do it. But the, what the yeah. chargers really do is they force him from a throwing standpoint to be patient because they have the pass rush that is fine for sort of pressuring, but it also allows them to drop back seven guys. Yes. Right. And that's a lot of guys in coverage and whether you're going zone man, some sort of combination of the two, you're making him, have to again tuck it and run which he was doing and it was daggers to the chargers the whole game but or to sort of check down and not sort of you know zip things in and when he's trying to zip things in you know we talked about in my preview that one of the most surprising things in my research to start this season was that the chiefs uh and mahomes his sort of aggressiveness level was one of the lowest in the league because what the aggressiveness level, aggressiveness level measures is whether you're trying to force things into coverage, right? And the Chiefs offense isn't incredible because he's forcing throws into coverage and they're catching balls. Like that's kind of why the Packers offense is really yeah. good because Rodgers yeah, is making yeah. those throws. It's, it's terrifying because, you know, he throws the ball, the camera zooms over and Tyreek Hill, there's nobody within 10 yards of him. And you're like, how do you let that guy go? Right. And so Andy Reid and that offense makes it very, yes, he schemes it up and they make it very easy on Mahomes. But when there's seven guys out there in coverage, it's a lot harder to do. So we knew that they would slow them down. Right. And then it's just a matter of, can you close? And of course the, you know, Herbert comes in and he does great for a guy who was told like five minutes before the game started that he was the quarterback, but he made one rookie mistake and that's what cost him the game, right? That interception where he literally could have just tripped over his, he could have had his shoes tied, tripped over them and fallen for a first down. And we would have been none the wiser as to what would happen the rest of the way, but it would have made an eight point game, an 11 point game. And we're probably having a completely potentially having a completely different conversation. Um, I was able to, and I talked about this at length on my podcast, like, and it's kind of the same thing as the, as the Broncos game, like wait until kickoff. I was able to get plus 10 with the chargers right before kickoff. Now it didn't end up mattering in any way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but that's just as a sort of an example. Um, so I was kicked back, right? I had the, I had the chargers in a teaser that got, was up to yeah. 15 and a half. I had the 10. So I was kicked back. I was sort of enjoying the game. And when those sorts of games happen, like I understand that there are upsets in the NFL. So I'm not going to kind of blindly bet the money line because when they tied it, there was still so much time left. Like it's not like they were like plus 200 or anything sure. like that. So for me, there wasn't really a ton of value at any point to live okay. bet the Chiefs. And I much rather just kind of hope the Chargers win to knock out uh, survivor, survivor picks yeah, or, yeah. you know, any sort of thing like that. And totally. so well, the other thing is I have, you know, a general belief that if something's too easy, it's probably too, <laughs> too easy. And that's that, you know, that classic Ravens Chiefs Moneyline parlay or tease that was set up on Sunday. Yep. And that's one of the reasons why the books got absolutely crushed on Sunday is because the super obvious tease actually worked. And the super, yeah. super obvious Moneyline parlay actually yeah. worked. Those mm -hmm. never work. Right. Yeah, yeah, and so I was just sitting there like waiting for it to not work and have the Chargers win the game, which again, they should have Anthony Lynn punting. Good old Anthony Lynn, your boy. Like, oh, it's let's just give the ball back to. <laughs> it's every single time. And that's the thing. Like you can't expect big things from the Chargers. You can expect little things like covering a 10 point spread, but you can't <laughs> expect big things because Anthony Lynn will botch it. His but it's a reminder of how important, you know, how important the reads are in terms of coaching and gambling, right? And so it sounds cliche sometimes when we're throwing out, hey, I'm taking Belichick because of this, or I'm not taking, you know, I wouldn't take the money line with the Chargers or have real faith in them to actually beat Mahomes sure. because Anthony Lynn's going to do something like, you know what, we probably should go for it on fourth down because – we're just going to give them the ball and all they need, all Mahomes needs is a field goal to win. Mind you, and my dude, what's my guy's name? Their kicker that hit like four Butker, straight. Harrison Butker. Hitting 58 like yarders straight. for days. Like it's like not nothing. even a thing. Nothing. It's, it's ridiculous. There's, there's no defense for it, right? And of course, <laughs> and that's the amazing part, right? Is that, you know, Twitter immediately comes out and you get all the, you know, probabilities, right? Yeah, and they, yeah. you know, they lost 10% of win probability by punting versus just yeah. going for it. I'm not even saying getting the first down. Just by yeah. going for it, they would have had a 10% better chance of winning based on all of this analytics, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's nobody in the organization whose job it is to study this and drill it into the coach or to have yeah. like a button that says, coach, co yeah, coach, yeah, um, you don't want to go for this. Okay, bye. And like, just really do that good. one time. Have a kid in there with a math degree. No, he doesn't even need a math degree. A Madden a math degree. Class. Madden degree. That's what they need. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's actually a really great point. Yeah. Uh, exactly. So Chiefs, Ravens, obviously, if we look at the Chiefs heading into week two, Chiefs, Ravens, marquee as it gets in the NFL these days two big time quarterbacks MVP candidates all the hoopla a rare like I don't know what how ESPN negotiated all these great Monday night games at least early this year because normally the Monday nighters aren't that good but this <laughs> is this is gonna be lit massive game this is a tough one though and again as I go into this number I'm taking the Chiefs at plus three and a half against the Ravens only based off the fact that I can get the extra half point at this, at this moment in time. Andy Reid and Mahomes getting the half point, getting three and a half points. I'm confident in doing that. 
but I'm going to be honest. I don't really like it. And I don't yeah, like, isn't, I it telling, say, I don't though? like isn't it telling that we're getting that half point, right? Yeah. Like there's some things that are sort of like hits, yeah. right? Like I don't love it either. I'm like yeah. chiefs plus three and a half points. Like, are they playing the like alien team from space jam? Like right. who are they playing? Like what? And it's like the Ravens are really good. Right. And last year, listen, I had the Ravens before the season started to make the super bowl. And so, okay. and that at the time, right. was a pretty long shoddy type ticket. It was like 18 to one. Right. Yeah. And so as the season went along, it ended up becoming basically even money by like mm-hmm. week 10. So they were my squad. from that standpoint but going into the playoffs the thing that i felt was the biggest bummer what with the ravens losing was that i wasn't going to have an opportunity to bet the chiefs at about plus three and a half for what i thought that playoff spread was going to be of course the ravens end up losing to the titans and we don't get that marquee matchup that frankly we probably should have had maybe even the year before too yeah and so all of that is to say like yeah the three and a half like it seems like a no brainer. And when we talk about getting value and all of that kind of thing, but there is just something about this Chiefs start right now, right? That again, they get out yards per played against the chargers 5.8. I think that they had offensively. So it's again, it's not like they, you know, were blazing people out there. Same thing with the Texans, right? Wasn't all that impressive, but yet it didn't need to be in that game. And so doesn't this three and a half go, man, they are suckering us hard in this. And the underdog is at 62% right now in bet tickets. So obviously a lot of people are on that. The number has moved up from three to three and a half. So again, like it's not going to be comfortable to go into Monday night and being like, I need, you know, I need the Ravens to win by more than three and a half points. Like that seems hard to, you know, stomach because you've got the chiefs who have just made this comeback and all of that kind of thing. But again, if it's Lamar Jackson, who's rolling out to his left. Big trust. And he's got one yard <laughs> to get the first down. Do yeah. you think he's going to try to square his shoulders and throw it down the field into double coverage? No. no. He's going to run for the first down. And that's, quite frankly, maybe the only reason the Chargers didn't win by eight points, seven points. You know what I mean? Like, if they go and they get a touchdown, it's a 15-point game, and it's maybe too much for the Chiefs to come back, right? And so the Chiefs defense, was... not all that great, right? Their run defense, not all that great. The Chargers gashed them for days with multiple guys. Even yeah. the Texans were able to run with David Johnson in week one until things got out of hand, and they sort of had to go to the air more often. And you just go like, and this Ravens team, like – you know, we talk, we've talked about like the Aaron Rodgers revenge tour and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I think that's like overblown because like he wasn't trying before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as an organization, like yeah. aren't the Ravens doing like, and I, we're going to start mixing some sports up here, but are they not doing the Virginia Cavaliers, the Tampa mm-hmm. Bay Lightning, like mm-hmm. these sorts of things where you get the embarrassing loss and yeah. then the next season it's like, hold me back for a, you know, the entire season type of yeah, thing. Isn't yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of what's brewing here? And so this three and a half, I think like it's not the sucker bet of the week, but it's kind of telling you who you should be betting on. I yeah. Think. Like I, as I said, like I don't feel good about it and you know, I'm yeah. going to be obviously paying attention to that line all the way up until the game starts. And I, I come in saying my initial gut is telling me to take the point just because what Mahomes and Andy Reid are getting that. But the big thing that I did also learn last week, Mahomes is worth half a billion. Part of that is because he's really good, but 
they need him to be really good because their defense is really bad. So, like, right. as you mentioned, if that's what the Chargers offense was doing, right, maybe the, the Ravens with, you know, their running attack and Lamar just being on one again this season – do they build up a lead that's too big for Mahomes to be able to come back? And, you know, they're not going to get, you know, we know that uh, Lamar isn't going to throw across his body because why would he do that when, as you mentioned, he could run for 15 yards. So it's, it's or two. And it, like, it's, another, yeah. it's another one of those games where I'm coming in saying this, but as we talk it through, which is what I love to do on this pod, I'm like, hmm. Interesting. The other thing is, do you think they're going for it on fourth and one if this game goes to overtime? I do, right? Well, I think the Ravens. We already are going know for the answer to one. that, right? Like, what was it? Right? Wasn't it? Was it last season where they had the shot of of Harbaugh and Lamar on the sidelines, and Lamar's just basically telling Harbaugh we're going for it, <laughs> right? Yeah, like and the key. To, and the key to their loss was they didn't get those fourth and ones against Tennessee. And yeah. that was the high leverage plays. And that's why they lost that game is totally. because for whatever reason, you know, if you go 80% on fourth and one all season, that still means there's 20%. You're not going to get it. And a couple of times against Tennessee, they didn't get it. And that's what swung those games. And so, yeah. you know, there's a bunch of different ways. And listen, it's not going to play out the exact same way that the chargers game played out, mm-hmm. but if it happened to do so, you know, the difference, between the quarterback and the coach and what we just described as the reason the Chargers didn't win that game and didn't win that game by more than, you know, three, the Ravens have that under control. And so it's not this sort of outrageous idea that we can lay points with Kansas City in this spot. No, I like it. I like it. Um, One thing I don't like because it involves my San Francisco 49ers was all the injuries that have been taking place. And man, there are a lot of people coming into this season for obvious reasons saying that injuries would play a factor. And I don't think any team has been more affected than the Niners. Mind you, obviously Saquon going down is huge. Like there's big injuries that have taken place for sure. Sure, of course. But the Niners, just to name a few, are playing with their best DB in Richard Sherman, their best player in George Kittle, who I think will come back this week. He's practicing, so we think he might be back. Uh, but Nick Bosa's done. Jimmy Garoppolo, done. Their best receiver, Debo, done. Mostert, their best running back, done. Then add in D Ford and Solomon Thomas. Like, it's just insane the amount of injuries the San Francisco 49ers have dealt with. But listeners to this pod, even though we don't even have a name yet, <laughs> I think on last week's pod, I said... <laughs> I had no trouble in taking the Niners against the Jets because it would be an organizational victory. (laughs) And when the Niners start the game, and the first play of the game is an 80-yard TD run, (laughs) it's like, what are the Jets doing? Like, the Jets, (laughs) I don't know. It's just, it makes no sense. And then later on in the same game, they were able to convert on what? What was it, third and 31 on a run play? So I, I got to step in here because so part of the thing that I sort of preach or, you know, whatever it, on my podcast is, you know, accountability and transparency, right? Yes. And that's, that's what we do, right? We're talking about sports. I'm giving out bets every single day, right? Yeah. And like, you have to be, and we don't just mm-hmm. ignore when we lost the next, the day before. Hold on, hold on. In fairness, in fairness, there are a lot of people out here 
that are not transparent about their losses if well, we're being it. honest right that, so and that's and right i'll and fully call right. myself out on any and everything but i i just wanted to make that point well you, you know what though but you're not doing this professionally right like you're yeah. not you're not analyzing and and putting out picks professionally and yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a ton of people out there who just do it and then it's like where's the accountability there's none right mm-hmm. and i start every episode with an uh, with a segment called don't look back in anger because it's like we need to talk about what happened yesterday right yeah. win lose or draw and Correct. so full disclosure i did something this is the dumbest thing i did last week and every oh. week you're going to do something stupid yeah 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 and last week and listen i'll give you my reasons for it and you can sort of scold me for how dumb it actually was but i wake up on sunday and again <laughs> like i look at already and i go through all of these teams right and we talk about the betting the bet tickets and all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff right and it's just like man san francisco everybody is on san francisco and i had the minus six and a half ticket from earlier in the week and that we talked yep. about on this podcast so if everybody out there listened to me and you talk about it they cashed a san francisco po- uh, ticket the yes. one person who didn't cash a San Francisco ticket out there, me. I, bo- I botched it. Because the line popped up on one rogue site. So the thing is, okay. is like, okay, if everybody moves a line, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. one thing. But if I've got four sites going and one site ticks up to plus seven and a half for, in this case, the Jets, mm-hmm. I think that's a mistake, right? Mm-hmm. And so part of what I do is I need to be you know, able to take advantage of mistakes that ah. sports books do, right? Yeah. And so when you get into the mathematics of it all, right? Like there's, you know, I kind of broke it down on my Sunday podcast talking about, okay, percentage wise, there's a percentage chance that the 49ers win this game exactly by seven, right? Okay. And because that's a key number, that percentage is probably around 10%. Well, if you've got minus six and a half, then that 10% is on your side. Yeah. And it adds to all of the other numbers. In this case, like, what did they end up winning by 25? Like, there was a small yeah. chance that they won by 25% all the way <laughs> down the line. And yeah. so, but when the line moves to seven and a half, the plus seven and a halfs now okay. get that 10%. So you add that 10% to all the different ways that the Jets could cover or the fact that that money line indicated about a 21, 22, something like that percent chance of them winning outright. Now, after the game, we go, there was was no way 22 (laughs) is high enough or is low enough. No, 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 I got you. But that's what the market said, right? And so once that switches over, that 10% goes from there's a 60% chance for the 49ers cover. If that 10 goes from San Francisco over to the Jets, it becomes 60% for the Jets. And on top of that, if that game does land on seven, yeah. I win both sides of the bet. So yes. in a lot of ways, it's a shot at taking all of the money. Down. Getting all the money. All yeah. the money, right? Yeah. And at 10% of a chance for essentially what would have been a 30 to one type of a payout. I I was willing to do that. And I was willing to put a little bit more on the jet side because of where that percentage landed. Now I literally watched two plays in that game. (laughs) Play one was the 80 yard touchdown. Play number two was the third and 31. I saw both of those plays and I knew that's all we need to watch from this entire game. But if you had told me before the game started that Bosa would be out and uh, Solomon Thomas would be out, 
out and for Garoppolo sure. would be out. And I'd be like, yeah, seven and a half. And it's no, not no, like no. that number ever went there with other sports books. And that book that get offered the seven and a half immediately went back down to seven. So I wasn't the only one out there sort of hopping on that seven. And yeah, a half. yeah, yeah. That yeah, being yeah. said, hindsight being 2020, dumb move. You can go back and listen to the explanation further. I pretty much gave the explanation to town, but, and then laugh at how dumb I was to sort of make that move. But here's the but thing. That's what though, we do right? on the podcast, right? No, but, but here's the thing though. I think this is a great example of just the different sides and the different angles that we're coming at, right? What you just broke down and explained was looking at the numbers and trying to get the most value, the most money on all sides. That's not something that a lot of people, you know, as I keep saying to Joe Public people, are even know about or even fully comprehend or understand, right? So right. this is the beauty of what we're trying to do here, which is just have a conversation explaining all the different angles and sides and ways that you can go about these, picking these games. So, yeah. I mean, hey. The Jets continue to struggle, and we'll get to the Jets in a second because I do want to talk about the Jets because it's a very interesting line and an interesting uh, narrative, I'll say. But sure. the Niners still complain about the turf at MetLife because they're minus four against the Giants. I like the Niners despite all the injuries. As mentioned, I think Kittle's going to come back. And Jimmy G, I think, is out. Nick Mullins is going to get the start, but I'm going to be honest. Right. And I'm going to tell people this as a Niners fan. That doesn't matter. I'm just telling you straight up, like, it, it literally funny? doesn't matter. Isn't that funny that, like, when it became, it went from, like, it was four and a half, and it's like, the quarterback change happens, and, and the market's like, yeah, that's fine. Like, yeah. a lot of times, if a quarterback is questionable, right, like, mm -hmm. they'll wait to put up a line, right? So, we'll yeah. get into, like, week four and so on, and it'll be, like, Wednesday, and it's like, still no line for the Titans game, because Tannehill took a shot to the head or something, and yeah. it's like... With the 49ers, it's like, it's you know, like you said with the organizational cover last week. It's like, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's about the same. Like, that's yeah, cool. And minus four against the Giants, Saquon's gone. And I don't know how much I even like the Giants with Saquon so far this season. So it's like, okay, whatever. And Nick Mullins, there was talk, like, first off, the one thing we have to understand, and I'm saying this as a Niners, like, guy Shanahan's never really been in love with Garoppolo to begin with anyways. There was a lot of rumors right. from last season about right. him being shaky with Jimmy G. So he's not even really sold on him fully, but it's, I, I stress this all the time. The Niners offense is based off of structure and running schemes and the passing game is just based off of that running scheme. So it's yeah. just hitting your reads, making your reads, don't make the mistakes and you should be able to cover four points against the Giants, which we don't have to spend a lot of time on that. I think we were good, but well, did you have something there? I do, and I'm wondering if you've got a, a clothespin over there because, again, Woo! I think this is another one where it's like you have to hold your nose and take the Giants, and I think the number where you Woo! take is plus four and a half because, again, oh. this is a market-type thing, right? So the reality is, like, we're sitting here and we're going like, I don't think it matters that the quarterback is out for the 49ers. And that's, that mm -hmm. could be the case. And we're sort of in a gray area at four and a half anyway, where yep. it's like, you're not going to move it all the way up to six. You're not going to move it. You're certainly not going to move it down to three. No. And so, but it's the other stuff, right? It's that defense and the reputation of that defense. And you can start throwing in the D Fords and the DeForest Buckners and all of those mm -hmm. guys who aren't on the team, or at least aren't, you know, are from last year's team that even if they haven't played last now. week, 
it's still the reputation is still built from last season All and valid. right and so you know listen the running back Jarek mckinnon will come in and he'll probably be awesome like i think you know, as similarly, right with Shannon, I think he likes McKinnon better than those the guys he's got anyway. It's just yep. been an injury issue with why he hasn't been the starter, mm-hmm. and nothing from last week where he had like three carries for seventy yards would indicate that that's not the case. Yeah. Um, but so, it, like from an offensive standpoint, it's not all that different. The Giants are sneaky good on defense. On, again, okay. first two games, but we mm-hmm. talk about early down success rate in my previews, right? Yeah. And what that means is sort of like what position do you put yourself in for third down, both offensively and defensively, because that's how you get off the field. And the Giants on both rushing and um, uh, pass defense are third in the league in early down success rate. Well, obviously the 49ers with their run game, all of that kind of stuff, they don't want to be in third and long. They're not the Mahomes offense. And so they need to be good on first and second down. And so if the Giants are doing just enough defensively to be able to slow that down, then I think that bodes well for sort of a lower scoring game. And on the flip side, like Saquon Barkley is out and he's a big name and that sucks for whoever, you know, drafted him first in the first round in fantasy, mm-hmm. but running backs just don't matter when it comes to a point spread on a consistent basis. So if you think that they do, then you're going to overrate this loss and there's yeah. kind of no way to underrate it, right? Like you're not, like, you're not going to be like, they're better without yeah, Saquon. Yeah, yeah. No, it's I got you. Just, I know what like, you're saying. They're about the same, right? Like they like, didn't not really get anything from him. They didn't really get anything from him on Monday night against Pittsburgh. They yeah. didn't really get anything from, they were down 17, nothing to the bears when he went out. Like I was on the giants and I was like, well, that's cooked. And then all of a sudden, right. They come Here back we go. and they, yeah. co- and they, and they cover and they darn near win it. Right. And so if it just means that Daniel Jones is able to throw it around a little bit, like against a defense that again shadow of its former self and not for any reason other than injuries right like it's not their Taking fault the points. right so it's just like this kind of feels like one where it's very easy to be like scene of the crime from last week like oh <laughs> i'm never gonna go against the 49ers again or like the jets are the same as the giants i don't think the giants no. and the jets are the same and i don't so, think anyone's the jets <laughs> nobody's the jets and so yeah like again hold your nose grab the clothespin throw it on there bet it induce the coma wake up sunday night see how you did i think that's just in that sort of you know i always talk about buckets on my thing right on my podcast this one is sort of this stinky bucket we're adding a third bucket this week and it's just the stinky fish bucket and that's in the bucket for me so i i got you i got you and i I like that and don't get me wrong it's I'm not liking the fact that I'm taking the Niners, but I'm taking the Niners. And I hear you. And I totally (laughs) understand. And, hey, I don't even know how many things I like this week, right? Sure. (laughs) But you mentioned the clothespin and the stinky picks, which leads us perfectly to the Jets. Yeah. And the Jets, I have them right now at 10.5 point underdogs to the Colts. I don't like it one bit. I definitely don't. (laughs) But there's yeah, a narrative and- we talk about all the time. And I always say, you know, some people have the hard set rule of double digit spreads. Just take the points. Don't look back because over the math, the math of the long-term game, yeah. the numbers show, you always take the points. You're going to end up with more wins and losses. So I'm, I'm on the Jets, but I obviously don't like it. 
But I will say this, as you mentioned, we talked about this more so last week than this week, but I still think it fits. The Jets have become the laughing stock of the entire NFL, right? They have now had to listen to everybody make fun of them, their family, their friends, TV analysts, random yeah. dudes on podcasts, right? Yeah. Just laugh at them. And then now you're going to be 10 and a half point underdogs <laughs> to the Colts, right? Yeah. You kind of got to come out and show some pride here. And I'm not saying win the game, but keep it close. Keep it in the mix. Like come out, as you mentioned at the top, with some focus to not get your doors blown off. No? Yeah. Yeah. And and you're 100% right. And and I'll sort of, and I've kind, and I'm, I'm one of those guys who's like double digit, you got to take it, you got to take it. Right. And it's, but it's sort of within the framework of, you know, my mom, you know, you know, your parents have these sayings, right? And like, yeah. so my mom back in the day, like, I'm six years old and I'm like demanding something. Who knows? I'm just being a jerk, right? And she yeah. would say, who died and made you king? Mm-hmm. And I sort of apply that and I go, who died and made the Colts double digit favorites <laughs> right. against anybody, right? Like I understand <laughs> why the Chiefs would be double digit favorites at home against somebody. I understand why the Ravens would be. You could talk me into the Saints, the Seahawks, et cetera right? Mm -hmm. But there's this middle part of the league that I think the Colts sort of travel in. They're the team that lost to the Jags. They played pretty well, but they lost to the Jags. They beat up the Vikings, but they weren't really all that impressive in doing so. And so they're in that middle part. On the underdog side of things, if it's a double digit underdog and it's Larry from like Eastern Washington, who's the quarterback because somebody has been injured, right? Like Luke Falk, when yeah. Sam Darnold had his mono, it's like, that guy's not a professional I quarterback. About that. Right? <laughs> and so like, that guy's not How a professional quarterback. So, so you, so don't bet on him under any circumstance, just walk away. And if you really mm-hmm. want to get loose, like take the favorite in this yeah. case, Sam Darnold's a functional quarterback who, if he was with a coach that had any sense of anything, he'd probably <laughs> be pretty successful. His arm strength is incredible. Mm-hmm. And you know, he has had some turnover issues in the past, like literally since college, I was the one who was going like, I'm not loving Sam Darnold because that guy fumbles the ball a ton and is super loose with it. And so that can get you in trouble, of course. And so it's not a comfortable play, but you've got a functional quarterback with the Jets and you've got a team that isn't in that cream of the crop type of a level. And you've got a market right now that doesn't want anything to do with the Jets. So of course that's going to be inflated. And you referenced 10 and a half, like it's really 11 and even in some spots 11 and a half and I think could Ooh. even go a little bit higher but 11 and a half is good enough for me because you know I don't think this game lands on 12 that's a pretty rare number to land on mm-hmm. from a you know game result standpoint yeah, yeah. 11 and a half is good enough for me but this is another one that I'll wait for Sunday and see how many we can get just because I'm kind of greedy in that way I like it I like it um one more before we get to like how we we close off the week but the rams and bills i think is a, t- a game we should really talk about just because we're talking about 2 and 0 teams but yeah. also there's a lot of hype machine the, the the hype machine is building in western new york in terms of the buffalo bills and there's a lot of a lot a lot a lot of hype and i look at it and say <laughs> I'll, I'll always have trouble buying into the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen is still a little too loose for me. He, okay. The numbers are great, and I see it, and I get it. Cool. But I got to take the Rams in the points here. Rams plus two over the Bills. I don't know. I, I just I can't buy into the Buffalo Bills. I just can't do it. 
I understand that. And listen, I was watching that game against Miami, and I don't know how much you watched that because it was super weird with like delays yeah, yeah, and yeah, like at one delay. point, like the broadcast cut out for a while, and it was like a whole thing. And so that was incredible. And for but for me, I'm watching that going. I think we have to reframe how we look at the Bills because oh. we've been beaten into this like they have a good defense, and mm-hmm. if they can just do enough offensively, and yada yada yada. Brian Dable, their offensive coordinator, who's now been there for a couple of years, and has, has gotten the reins on Josh Allen to the point where they are running just a really impressive offense right now. And you know I love okay. my modal, mo- mobile quarterbacks and all of, of that course. stuff. And so for me for this game, like I'm seeing a lot of people liking the Rams here because of how that season has started for them. And listen, yeah. the one pick I got wrong – on my five contest picks last week was fading Mm -hmm. the Rams on the road against the Eagles. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, if things go a little bit differently and Wentz doesn't force an interception into the end zone, maybe that ends up working out in the end. Yeah. In this case, like there have, unlike San Francisco that stayed out East, right? San Francisco went to actually Western West Virginia to hang out for the week so that they didn't have to travel across country. The Rams have gone home and are going back to Buffalo. Ooh, I don't like that and at all. This is on the road. Jared Goff has never been very good. And again, he certainly was a lot better last week. And so I have to eat some crow with that. And again, full transparency, like that's what we do here. Yeah. I just, I think that we are still underrating the Bills because they haven't played anybody just yet. But even kind of at the worst of times, isn't this a game against kind of the higher octane offense who's, you know, traveling into Buffalo? Like I wish there'd be some snowflakes or something. It's going to be pretty nice, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, and of course there's no fans and all of that kind of stuff. But like, isn't this one that the bills would pull off as like one of their six wins, right? Because they were never like the worst team in the league because twice yeah. a year they'd knock off that middle part, right? Whether it's yeah, the Colts, yeah, yeah. whether it's the Rams, we're not talking upper echelon here, Very that true. meaty part of the, of, the, of, the, of the league. And I'm not super sure that the bills aren't better than the Rams are, you know, as part okay. of it. And I understand why that number is not three. So this isn't like, why is the line so low, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I get why if it goes to three, you know, you bet the Rams and then you just kind of see what goes on from there. I think every time it goes to three, people bet the Rams because they know that it's going to go back to two and a half and they can bet over the top on the bills. Trying to get both. And I think there's a, I think there's sort of a game going on with the big money syndicates and stuff out there right now. That one's a really interesting game for me. And I really like the bills in that. And okay. the key to that though, is they were without two middle, two linebackers last week against the dolphins. And that's why Mike Gesicki made absolute hay on offense. The fantasy people know this, right? Mm-hmm. And Tyler Higby will probably do the same if those guys aren't back for Buffalo. So that's the one thing come Friday when the injury reports come out, I need those two guys or at least one of them to be back in the lineup. And I think if they're not, you'll see that line move closer to pick them even. Uh, and then it'll be a real judgment call coming down the stretch there. But I like the bills. And I think we have to start thinking of them almost like closer to like, not necessarily the Jim Kelly era, but like that they're capable of being a really they're good a offensive team. team. Uh, yeah. So as we continue on here, just as we look to kind of wrap things up though, there's two things that have become staples here as we close the podcast. And the first one is the sucker bet of the week. You alluded to what we were talking about last week, the Rams and Eagles, but as we try to get back on the right train here with the sucker bet of the week, who do you like in week three? 
So the sucker bet of the week, we were wrong last week, but that's the problem with doing this on Thursday, right? Is that mm-hmm. you, there's still so much time between now and Sunday to sort of feel out where the market's going. And after yes. we tape the podcast on Thursday morning last week, over the course of the next few days, you start to see people piling up on the Eagles side. And mm-hmm. at that point, it ceases to be a sucker bet because enough people are talking about it and the line is moving towards the Eagles and you yeah. go, oh my God, it's almost like a reverse sucker bet type of a thing, right? And at which point, like, I would have potentially assigned the Saints as the sucker bet or the, you know, Chiefs as the sucker bet, basically road favorites of a pretty significant number. And so this week, and listen, I've already got a Tennessee minus two and a half ticket in my account. But, and, you know, part of it is, listen, it's hard to make a case for the Vikings. I think the Vikings stink. Let me just say that. I think the Vikings stink this year. That being said, there's something really fishy about the fact that this line hasn't gotten to three yet. And we're talking 79% on, you know, people on Tennessee as though, and again, I referenced it earlier, who died and made Tennessee road <laughs> favorites, right? Like, okay, yeah. they made the playoffs and all of that stuff was really exciting last year, but like mm-hmm. they've gotten out yards per played in both of their games this season, mm-hmm. right? Like they, you know, 4.8 to 5.5 to Denver, who's not exactly an offensive juggernaut, and 6.0 to 6.5, 6.5 on the Jags side last mm-hmm. week, right? They almost lost you. that game, probably should have. So this idea that like Tennessee is going to kill the Vikings and it's like fait accompli, like I'm really starting to be like, oh my God, this is the mother of all clothespin games. I'm going to have to bet the Vikings here. I want three. I needed to get to three before I do it, but yeah. like, is something super fishy and super suckery about that game. And as far as the survivor one, I don't think it's all that complicated, man. I think you just take the Colts and you move on to week four. (laughs) So are we at the point where we keep fading the bills or fading the jets? Each week we are um, certainly again. I have a couple of rules. One, let's make sure we're on, we're the home team. A little bit yep. less important this season, but I'm not going to stray away from it. Yeah, and let's try to avoid divisional matchups, right? Because For even sure. there's such a familiarity there totally, with underdogs totally. that you want to kind of avoid that. And so there just isn't anything else that I love because I think all of the other favorites, with yeah. the exception of the Patriots, but there's going to be better spots to use the Patriots, i.e., yeah. against the Jets. Um, <laughs> that like. All of these other ones, like, I'm going to be firing on underdog money lines this week. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, I like it. I, I'm down with you here on taking or fading the Jets until further notice. And I do like the points with the Jets. Sucker bet, I'm with you there. I think there's a lot of people that are going to be looking at Kirk Cousins' performance last week and thinking, hmm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he's I, I like it. I that like happens, it. right? He's the that king happens. of being atrocious one week and, and being then, good the next. That's why he's exactly. never going to get it done, sort of in a long term way. Exactly. So yeah, that wraps up another week. And of course, pay attention carefully. All the points matter. That is the key. All the points. All the half points. This is going to be a very tough week. I'm giving you the warning right now, and my full picks will be up probably somewhere on Saturday, but we try to just meet on Thursday, go through the lines, talk about where I'm thinking, and Mr. Russell tells me where I'm crazy. That's basically what we're doing here, trying to add context to the picks. But if you don't follow Mr. Russell on Twitter, you should. If you don't listen to the Window Podcast, you should. Mr. Russell, give the people the info where they can get the goodness 
the information that you love to provide to the gamblers out there. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, we do a Monday to Friday podcast. It's called The Window. Window sports betting podcast type anything, any combination of those into your favorite uh, podcast distributor. Uh, You can find me at mrussauthentic, M-R-U-S-S for Matt Russell, and then the word authentic, no underscores, none of that stuff, mrussauthentic on Twitter. Uh, I'll throw out different live betting things that I do, different um, sports, right? Like right now, college football is so wacky that I have to wait till like Saturday morning to make sure that all of the players that are supposed to play, play. Like that type of stuff goes out on Twitter, all of that kind of stuff. And we also sort of commiserate uh, about various bets on Twitter and that kind of thing too. So uh, Monday to Friday, the window, and then on Sunday as well. So all of the stuff that we talked about, how you are saying, you know, be... Uh, aware of your Instagram posts. It's the same thing. Sunday morning around 1130, uh, I publish a podcast that I do that morning and we talk about, okay, what are the five circa million picks, right? That's the contest that we do um, where you pick five games against the spread for a million bucks. Uh, those are my sort of big bets of the week. And then I talk about all of the other stuff that you know is on the board. We get into some totals. We get into some props. We get into the teases that we like. We get into the money lines that we like that we are going to be big time aggressive on this week. Like Sheldon says, be careful. I say be aggressive, but be aggressive in going against the grain this week. Hold your nose and fire this week. So um, Friday, you know, it's a lot like this where we're just kind of going through the games and talking out loud. And then Sunday is what do we got? What are we doing? And solidifying a lot of stuff there. So the window podcast, uh, like I said, you can type my name in and it pops up. Apple, Google, Spotify, the whole darn thing. Beautiful, man. I love it. And thank you again for coming and, and joining in on this uh, on this pod every week. It's so much fun to talk NFL and break it down with you and give such different insights to the fans of the On Blast Podcast Network. Really appreciate it, my dude. Thank you so much because I have so much fun with this pod. It, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Really enjoying it each and every week. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in to this, what we continue to call, I'll name this football pod later, part of the On Blast Podcast Network as we continue to grow and just do some some more stuff here on the network. We still got our Ball on Blast podcast still rocking each and every week with Andrew Webster where we break down everything on and off the court in the NBA. But in terms of this, enjoy your Thursday. Enjoy the Thursday nighter. Enjoy week three of the NFL. And as I close every podcast, I really did used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is I'll name this football pod later. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. Boom, blast.